So, Doug, I'm, I'm back. It's good to be back. But uh, I saw while I was going, the Nets uh, kind of didn't do so well. What's, what, what's going on? Well, Lou, I can tell you all about what you missed. But first, I got to play this awesome song. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 13th, the lucky 13th edition of the Yes Men. Back in the saddle once again this week, I am Lou DiPietro. To my left, my co-host extraordinaire, Mr. Doug Williams on the ones and twos. I hope you missed me last week. I did. I did. I had a good time with Chris. I, I'm not going to lie. I had a good time with him, but that doesn't take anything away from you. doesn't mean I wasn't excited to have you back and, and back from your little wedding vacation you know, that, you know. Well, it wasn't my wedding vacation, but well, it is yeah, a I wedding mean, vacation. Yeah, I yes. should have specified. I don't want to get fans too excited. <laughs> get congratulations. And People will be sending me gifts off my unexistent registry. Just tons of toasters oh, from, I can't from all our subscribers. Crockpots, everybody. Crockpots. It's the wave of the future of the Speaking past. Speaking of subscribers... Just remember, all you have to do if you're listening to this on YesNetwork.com is subscribe on iTunes. And then if you could do us a favor, rate and review us. Give us some stars. Give us a comment or two. And that really helps us in terms of gaining popularity and seeing where we are, seeing what people like. If you have tips or anything like that, feel free to leave them in the comment section. We appreciate it. We do. And uh, first of all, obviously, I want to thank Chris for uh, stepping in last week and a fabulous podcast. I did listen Temporary to Temporary Yes Man. I did. I listened to it on the plane ride home on... Um, Monday after I was in the cellular range that I was able to download it without incurring crazy data fees. But uh, thanks to Chris for stepping in. And, um, you know, as we talked about uh, briefly there in the open, while I was gone, the Brooklyn Nets didn't do so well out on their West Coast road trip. A um, couple of tough losses there. They did get a big win on a buzzer beater. But, you know, right now it seems like this is the worst-case scenario of what everybody was wondering. Would this team gel together quickly? Much like last year, it seems they're they're having a tough time doing that. You know what? It, it really goes to show you just how deep you kind of have to be because we looked at their roster in the preseason, and it looks like they have 14 good players. I mean, legitimately looks like that. And, yeah. and Tyshawn Taylor is the guy going down to the D-League. He would be a backup point guard on most teams. So – it really goes to show you it just seems like they don't have the personnel that they once did. I mean, obviously they have had they've had some injuries, but I think that they're going to eventually start playing better. I don't think it's panic time yet. Keep in mind Andre Kirilenko hasn't really played this year. I think he's a tremendously key player. And you know, yeah, they haven't gelled together yet. And the thing is, I said, and a lot of people did in the preseason, that they might have a slow start. And now once yep. they're actually having the slow start, people are panicking. I don't think it's time to panic yet. Did I think they would play better? Yes. But, you know, it's okay that they have a slow start. They're all new to each other. And right now with everything that's going on across town in Madison Square Garden, the, the circus that that has become almost, uh, you know, it's it's kind of taking a little bit of the headlines away from the fact that the Nets are not the juggernaut everyone kind of hoped, thought, expected, whatever word you want to put in there they would be. Um, they've got a big stretch coming up here, you know, the next week and a half. they got the Lakers coming in. Will Kobe be ready? I mean, he's practicing five-on-five, five, says he could see himself playing by the end of the month. Will that be like Kobe's season debut on Thanksgiving Eve? They've got some some, some exciting games coming up, so it's kind of a look. We've got to take a look at them now, and this is where 
this is where they're, they're going to need to make hay while the sun is shining, so to speak, because now they've got a, a good stretch to be able to do it. And by the way, I'd still rather be in the position of the Nets. I'd still rather have the roster of the Nets Absolutely. than the Knicks. Because, you know, I was thinking about it last night. If Carmelo Anthony lands wrong on his knee and tears his ACL, the Knicks will go into a It's a 25-win team. It, yeah, they'll go into a full rebuild, panic, no playoffs, nothing. The Nets... Even though they've had some injuries, and you know, we said a few minutes ago that they're probably they're, they may not be as deep as we once thought they were. <laughs> they have a much more well-rounded roster. They're in much better shape than the Knicks. I know that we were talking to you on Wednesday, and the, they both have the same record. They're both three and seven, but I think they're very different clubs. One is better off than the other, and that's the Nets. Yeah, they have six guys on their bench that have started. That have been NBA star. I mean, Sean Livingston was, you know, supposed to be a great point guard. Unfortunately, injuries derailed his career, but he was a starter early on for a little while. You know, Jason Terry's got all that experience. Kirilenko has been a starter his whole career when he's on the floor. Reggie Evans was a starter last year in Brooklyn. Blatch in Washington. Allen Anderson a little bit in Toronto too. So they have the horses. They just need to kind of get them get them in race shape. I guess is the the analogy I'm going to go with. Yeah, and remember, veteran basketball players and veterans athletes in any sport really. When they come into a regular season on a team that they know they know is going to compete mm-hmm. for a championship, I think, I mean, granted, they play hard. These guys are playing hard all the time. They're working their butts off. I've seen them in practice, and obviously we've seen them in games. I really don't know if the effort is an issue. But remember, they might have trouble getting motivated for an early season game, you know, against Toronto or something like that. These players have been in the biggest games in the last decade. And so for them to get up and get excited for an early season uh, game, it's possible that their just motivation isn't as high as it will be in three weeks or so. You know, I, I think I know exactly who we can uh, talk to to find out whether or not that motivation is, uh, is there or not. I would agree totally, Lou. So with the Nets' struggles so far this season, we saw no other option than having our very own Blake Shear on our show yet again. She's been with the team a lot over the past few weeks, and we figure we might as well talk to her, of all people, to see how the morale of the team is, who is taking it better than others, and et cetera. Blake, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We have our very own Yes Woman uh, back on the show one more time. Yeah, Yes Woman. So, so... I, love, I love being on the show. It's one of my fave things. One of your faves. Well, it's one of our faves. You're one of our fave guests, so we've got oh, that going, a little symbiosis there. But uh, let, let's talk about one of our other faves, the Brooklyn Nets. What is going on down there in terms of team morale? I mean, how are how are they dealing with this, I guess you could call it, stretch of, of bad play? You know, I, it's bad play, but it also, I know I'm beating, you know, a dead horse here, but it is the injury. The starting five hasn't been on there, so I hate them losing right now. I hate them not doing well, especially after we expect such a hot start from them. But I think the team's morale is pretty well. I was in, uh, I was at Barclays Center this past week, um, and everyone seemed to be, you know, in good spirits. You know, they seem focused. Like, by no means was there any joking around, but they seem focused and they really want to win. So, you know, when a team wants to win, it's hard to, like, be down on them, I guess. I know that Darren Williams has had injury problems, not only this offseason carrying over with the ankle, and then he re-injured it, and he's had some muscle issues this year. Do you think that he will lose playing time eventually if Sean Livingston keeps playing the way he has, and then Darren kind of keeps maybe getting injured or isn't quite the player he was in Utah? You know, I don't think Darren will lose a starting position, but I do think 
know, minutes are something to watch with Jared. You know, if Sean's really running this team and the chemistry is going well with him out on the court, I don't think that they're going to take Sean off and put Darren in if there's, they've got momentum on their side. I do think it's a shame that we've never really seen the real Darren Williams. You know, we've been saying that ever since he got here, but it's just a shame we're not seeing it now because we really thought we were going to be able to. What's the question, too, is that you, you know, mentioned the injuries in Darren Williams, and I know Kirilenko has missed some games and some time with back spasms. But given that one of the, I guess, hallmarks or calling cards of this team was was meant to be its depth and how many weapons they had and how many guys that can beat you, is this really kind of a just an indication of, of how deep a team really needs to be to survive, or is this just kind of a fluke thing where people are going by the wayside, guys are missing time, minutes are getting lesser, and it's just not gelling? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I definitely think the gelling thing is not going on. They something just it's, they have great chemistry off the court, so I'm hoping that eventually it's going to make its way onto the court. But I do think the injuries are plaguing them, sort of like we saw with the Yankees this year. But you need depth. You can't be successful in this league without depth. And it seems like, from an outsider's perspective, I haven't been at Barclays in about maybe a week and a half, mm-hmm. two weeks now. It seems like since they've been losing these games that Jason Kidd is taking it rough. You know, he's saying it's kind of my fault. It's coaching. You know, we didn't make shots, but at the same time, I feel like I'm responsible. Do you think he's taking this hard? I mean, it has to be difficult. Obviously, he's never coached before, and he goes in to this team with high expectations, and they're on, you know, they have a three and seven record. Do you think that this has been hard on him, and do you think it will be good in the long run that he struggles like this? Well, I think it's hard anytime Jason Kidd isn't playing. His team, whatever team he's on, is not doing well. He takes it hard. He's a true player, you know, very intense. And I do think them losing, we've seen him change the style of coaching a little bit. He's definitely been more vocal, especially on the West Coast trip. We've seen hints of that. So hopefully these, these glimpses that we're getting of him is maybe saying, okay, maybe I need to change something up. Maybe the way I thought I was going to coach isn't necessarily the right way that it has to be done. So I don't know. You never want to say you want to see someone struggle, you know, but... I think it's a wake-up call for everyone. And I, I just wondered, and I know this is probably never going to happen because I know Jason Kidd is the head coach, but last year we saw this kind of thing out of the nets, and in what will be about four or five weeks from now, last year, this is what cost Avery Johnson his job. I know Jason Kidd won't be going, but do you think that maybe makes it a little easier on him, kind of that knowledge? He, he probably knows he's not going anywhere. Obviously, Avery Johnson thought that last year too, and look what happened, but... This is his team. He's got that time to figure it out. Does that maybe mitigate it a little bit for him? I think it definitely gives him confidence, you know, knowing that the organization is behind him 100% and that, it's you know, he needs to go through these bumps in the road. He needs to get through these and get on in a winning way. They're going to have times that they're going to win five and six games in a row. We just haven't seen it yet. Well, Blake, thanks a lot for coming on. As usual, we love having you on the show. You give us a little insider perspective while also, you know, talking about kind of the guys, what they're like, and how their morale is, and we appreciate it. We love having you on. So keep coming on with us, will you? One more thing. I'm promoting one of our some of our segments on our pregame show. We have this great new segment, Fan Interactive, called BK Connect, where some of the beat reporters and our own Chris Sheeran answer your questions. So... We're doing that about every two weeks on the pregame show, so send us questions, comments, anything. Hashtag DK Connect. We saw the first one of those actually on Nets Magazine last month with Rod Boone from Newsday, and uh, it went very well. So definitely keep out on the lookout for that. Blake, thank you very much. 
Thank you, guys. It'll be on air on Sunday. Bye-bye. Awesome. Take care, Blake. And once again, that is our own Yes Network's own Blake Shear, our Nets insider and very own Yes Woman, joining us once again. Maybe she'll be up here one day with us instead of over the phone. That'd be pretty funny. That would be pretty funny. And to my left is Blake Shear, and to her left is Doug. Well, that or maybe next time one of us goes away, you know, we, we swap out, have the rotating guest co-host sort of. You want, uh, you want me to just go, oh, go away, you mean like on vacation? Yeah, like on vacation or like, you know, when you take your annual pilgrimage to wherever you go. I, Do I you don't take really, an annual pilgrimage? Not really, no, no. I'm not an annual pilgrimage guy. Well, either way, you'll you'll definitely hear more of her in the future, whether it's here or over the phone. She's going to be here. <laughs> well, uh, Lou, we've talked some basketball. Right, let's talk about a little something else that happened while I was gone. The Eagles took first place. Yeah. The Giants won again. I do offer you my condolences on unfortunately being in the final four but not making the final two in our Survivor League. Yeah, we we talked about it a little bit on Twitter. Lou has been rubbing salt in my wounds a little bit with the Survivor League. I was eliminated. I took Houston. I, I didn't tell anybody on the podcast last weekend or last week uh, because I didn't want to give a, give it away to my competition. But it turns out it didn't matter. I lost anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't want to pick Houston. I don't know what was up with that, but okay. I took the Eagles in my three strikes, and you know what? They won, so well, I'm happy. Yeah, it must be nice. Um, okay, <laughs> I have a little bit of a – an argument. Okay. I, 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 I would call it an argument or maybe a, a piece of my mind. A theory? Yeah, a theory. That's a good way to put it. Okay. So I spent yesterday, a large portion of my time yesterday, looking at the rest of the season for the NFC East contenders. So take out the Redskins, right? Because they're not going to compete for the Yeah, division. last year they were 3-6 and six and they went on a run 1-7 straight. This year they were 3-6 and six and they almost made a fourth quarter comeback, but they lost and they're going to keep losing because that's what they do. Yeah, so I'm not going to include them on here. Anybody who's upset with that, I, you know, I'm sorry. It's just I haven't seen enough from RG3 to even consider them a contender. Tough, tough year to pick him as your fantasy quarterback. Okay, so... Here, here are the weeks, and try and see, I know this is a mental image thing because we we don't have a graphic to show you and everything like that. But just think about this: we're talking about three teams: the Giants, Cowboys, and the Eagles. Well, this week will be easy because two of them are playing each other, and one of them's on a bye. So, right? Okay. So after Week Twelve, I think the Giants are going to beat the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys obviously lose to the Giants. The Eagles have a bye, so that will leave the Eagles at six and five, and the Giants and the Cowboys at five and six. Week 13, I think the Giants beat the Redskins. I think the Cowboys beat the Raiders. And I think the Eagles beat the Cardinals. I think so far the two most controversial games would be Giants-Cowboys. That's kind of a toss-up, although I'm giving it to the home team and the Giants. And Eagles-Cardinals, the Cardinals are a very good team. They're 6-4, and four, really stingy, good defense. I think the Eagles will take that game too. It's the cross-country trip that's going to get them. Right. Yeah. So – you got the Eagles at seven and five, Cowboys at six and six, and the Giants at six and six. The Eagles are still in first place. After week fourteen, I think the Giants are going to play hard and beat the Chargers in San Diego. I don't really have a ton of reasoning for it, but I just think that's what's going to happen. The Cowboys will lose to the Bears. I don't think they've proven to me that they can beat the Bears, and the Eagles will lose to the Lions. So this is where I get to having to explain myself. The Giants and the, Cow- and the Cowboys, 7-6 and six and 6-7 six and seven respectively, and the Eagles are 7-6 and six as well. So the Giants and the Eagles are tied. The, Eagle- the uh, Cowboys would be in second place. My reasoning for the Eagles losing to the Lions is pretty simple. 
Megatron is going to torch their defense. Yes. Yeah. Their and, defense is not good. And and the thing is that— And Bradley Fletcher's hurt, and who knows how bad. The that, NFC, that, that also hurts. The NFC East teams got a bad draw because they've played Denver and Kansas City, each of them. And they've all lost. Everybody's lost. However, the Eagles have beaten—here's who the Eagles have beaten. The Redskins twice. Mm-hmm. The Packers, the game that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Mm-hmm. The Raiders. Mm-hmm. The Giants at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Name one good win in there. I can't. Right. I'm an Eagles fan, and I can't. Right. So, But it's the same way for the Giants and pretty much the same way for the Cowboys. So each of these teams really hasn't beaten anyone good. So there are certain games on here, and I'll keep reading my list of week by weeks. Most of the games against tough, non-NFC East opponents, I have them losing. All three teams. The NFC North, especially with you know the Eagles still have to play the Bears and the Lions. The Giants... You know they've 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 at least kind of I don't know they've gotten through most of that is that the best way to say it I mean they they still have to play the Lions um, Dallas the same way like those are two dangerous teams because you never know which one's going to show up with Chicago it's who's the quarterback depending on the week so those I mean they're luckily they're common games at least one of them is but. You never really know. It could be a 20-point win. It could be a 20-point loss. It could be a nail-biter. Like, that's – you can't just say, oh, yeah, that's going to – X is going to win. So we'll continue with my prediction. We're after week 15 now. And remember, we had the Giants and the Eagles tied at 7-6 and six and the Cowboys at 6-7. and seven. After week 15, I think the Giants will lose at home to the Seahawks, making them 7-7. Seven and seven. I think the Cowboys will lose to the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. He'll be back by then. And the Cowboys will then be 6-8. and eight. And I think the Eagles will go to Minnesota and beat the Vikings. So that puts the Eagles at eight at six in first place, the Giants at seven and seven, and the Cowboys at six and eight. Agree with that? Um Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 not gonna say no because I think the records will still be the same. I don't know how the wins and losses shake out, but yeah, I can see that. After week sixteen, so we only have two weeks left here. I think the Giants will lose to the Lions, so they'll be 7-8. and eight. I think the Cowboys will beat the Redskins, so they'll be 7-8. and eight. And I think the Eagles will lose to the Bears. So that's 8-7 and seven and two 7-8s, and, eights, and mm-hmm. the Eagles in first place. Yep. After week 17, the last week of the season, I think the Giants will beat the Redskins and put them in 8-8. Eight and eight. The Cowboys will beat the Eagles at home, and they'll be 8-8. Eight and eight. And the Eagles will obviously be 8-8 eight and eight as well after losing to the Cowboys. I think that leaves the top three teams in the NFC East all at 8-8. Eight and, eight. and obviously based on just the three losses you have here, the Redskins are at, at minimum 6-10. Uh, and ten. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best they can do. I mean, I don't think they're a very good team. Mm-hmm. So here is general reasoning about the teams. That, so, so wait a minute. Let me look at this. If you look at the 8-8, eight 8-8, eight, eight 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 eight, the first tiebreaker in that scenario is going to be common record. And the Eagles are 1-3. and three. Against those teams because they've lost both games to the Cowboys and one of two to the Giants, so that eliminates them right off the bat. Does that have? Does that mean Dallas wins the division? I mean, I'm doing quick math in my head while I read this. I'm actually not sure what it means because head to head, head to head would be the first tiebreaker, and the Eagles would be out. They'd be one and three against the other ones. The Cowboys will have beaten the Eagles twice, and the Giants will have beaten the Cowboys and the Eagles. So that's two wins. So yeah, they're out right away. Then I think the first tiebreaker after that head to head comes down to division record, and as I'm looking. Cowboys are three and zero at the moment, so they go three and one. Then the Cowboys beat the Redskins is four and one, and then the five aren't. Yeah, the Cowboys win the NFC East in that scenario. That is my scenario, and um, damn, I, yeah, neither <laughs> neither of us is happy. About no, it. no. 
So here's kind of what I'm going with. I don't. I think the Eagles are the third best team in the division because I think their defense is really weak. I I, I think their offense is actually a force to reckon with now, mm-hmm. but I don't think it can overcome their bad defense, which we knew at the beginning of the season that it was one of the worst in the NFL. They have Nick Foles now. They have LaShawn McCoy still, and Deshaun Jackson's playing really well. But on the defensive side, I think they're weak. The Cowboys are the best team in the division without bar, bar none if they beat the Giants this weekend. The Cowboys that would, defense can't stop anybody either, though. Have you seen what teams have done? Right, them? but I don't think all – the bottom line is all three teams aren't good. But listen right. to this. If the Cowboys beat the Giants this weekend, that would be the second time they beat the Giants, and they've already beaten the Eagles twice. Mm-hmm. So that means they're the best team out of those three. Now, does that mean that they finish above them? I don't know. But it means that they're the best team. So that that's how I factored – you know, through through the schedule. Right. Now, I I think the Giants are going to win at home this weekend, but I left it up to the Giants and the Cowboys at the top of the division because the Giants, if you look at the teams they've lost to, they've lost to, and there aren't that many good teams in the NFL this this year. The Giants have lost to the Cowboys away, the Broncos, the Panthers away, the Chiefs away, the Bears away, and the Eagles. That's so, true. Those are all what you would count as, I guess. Good losses, right? Exactly. Because any, you know, even if the Redskins had beaten them, which they they haven't even played them yet, um, any division loss can't be a bad loss, especially if it's away. Right. I mean, th- I mean, that's just it doesn't matter. You know, even if the Colts lose to the Jaguars in Jacksonville, yeah, the Jaguars are terrible, but it's still a division game. You get amped, like you understand it. The Eagles at six and five. I mean, they're the same way, yet have they beat a good team? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. The best team they've beaten is the Giants, who are 4-6. and six. But have they lost a bad game yet? No. Right. I mean, you know, yeah, okay, they lost to the Chiefs. You know, that was at home, which still, I mean, it, it's a tough, tough game. I mean, the Chiefs are 9-1. and one. You know, they lost to the Giants. They lost to the Cowboys. So those are division losses that are good. I mean, it's not like they're. It's not like they've lost to you know the Bills. You know what I mean? I mean, the Broncos obviously whooped them, and you know they've whooped pretty much everybody on their schedule. The Chargers is that maybe their only bad loss? But the Chargers are one of those Jekyll and Hyde teams. Like, could they be better than they are? Could they be worse than they are? Who really knows? So being at home, I guess, maybe makes that a bad loss. Yeah. Because San Diego had to come across That's the one for game, a 1 o'clock game. That's the one game that I singled out as, as a bad loss for the yeah. Eagles. And, and one of the things that uh, kind of makes the Giants and the Cowboys almost more uh, reliable maybe than the Eagles is that they still have regimes in place. So they still have Tony Romo. And Jason Garrett, and and although they've never done anything really exceptional between the two of them, they at least have continuity. And the Giants have Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning, who have won two Super Bowls together. So there's reliable, and then there's the Eagles, who are a wild card. I mean, the Eagles could end up going ten and six, nine and seven, and winning the division easily. But I just don't have the faith in them that I would have in a team that's been there before and done it together. See. And as much as you're going to call me a normal pessimistic Eagles fan, I'm going to agree with you on this regard. They could very easily go one and four in the final five games because Arizona, even though they're coming across country, is a good team and a better team than anyone gives them credit for. And that rushing game, if Andre Ellington gets going and Mendenhall can play, that's a tough team to stop. Detroit, I mean, we already said I even believe that Megatron is going to have a field day. The Bears... Jekyll and Hyde team. They lost to the Redskins in the game that Cutler got hurt. But, you know, they're, again, they can they can win that game. 
the Cowboys have already beaten the Eagles, so you know we know they can do it. And that one was, you know, not even good, not even close for Philly. They could go one and four in those games. I, I think I don't think they'll lose to the Vikings. They could also go five and zero. Oh. I mean, like that's <laughs> like I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles finish eleven and five. I wouldn't be shocked if they finish seven and nine. That's the kind of season it is. That's the kind of schedule they have left. That's the kind of team it is. And by like, the way, I'm not going to be shocked either way. Will I be happy if they finish eleven and five? Absolutely. I'll still be happy if they finish seven and nine because that's a marked improvement over last year. But I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. And keep in mind, I think if these teams weren't playing each other, I would have them losing every game. Because I, I don't think these teams are good enough to beat a lot of other teams in the NFL no. outside of this division. But they, luckily for them, they play each other, and they're all bad, so some no. one team has to win. And it's, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, whichever team ends up winning the division is going to host New Orleans, Carolina. I mean, depending on how that division shakes out, maybe the Niners, like... You can't necessarily say, oh, they're, they're, they're hosting a home game, but they're, they could be one and out. And, I mean, even an 11-5 and five Eagles team could be one and out if they get the four seed somehow, if, you know, Detroit or Chicago hangs on a, at the top of the NFC East or NFC North, I'm sorry, and kind of pushes forward or, you know, the Saints go on get on a hot streak. I don't know, man. I, I'm going to go 9-7 and seven with the Eagles, and I'll see if they can, uh, they can do it. That's, that's really all there is. But uh, switching gears a little bit. Well, continuing with. Yeah, switching gears to the AFC. Right. Say yeah. that much. I wrote a column uh, yesterday, a little commentary about how the, you know, everybody said the NFC stinks three weeks ago. And you look what's happened since. Anybody looked at the AFC South lately? Indianapolis is 7-3 and three and could be 5-5, five and five, should be 10-0. and 0. The rest of that division is garbage. Absolute garbage. And now that the Titans have a backup quarterback going for the rest of the year. You know what? Indianapolis can clinch that division on December 1st. If they win this week, then they can clinch the division by beating Tennessee on December 1st. It's unbelievable how things change. Yeah. And the Jets are 5-5 five and five and in the wild card. So, you know, that's just one of those things that it's, it's an anomaly, but we have someone to help us out with that. And to discuss the craziness that is the AFC and the Jets' place there, as well as a little bit of Doug's NFC East prognosis, we have... One of our YesNetwork.com colleagues with us, JetNation.com's Dennis Agapito, is on the line. Dennis, Lou DiPietro, Doug Williams, the Yes Man. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, fellas. Thanks for having me on. So i got to ask you, first question right off the bat, the Jets, 5-5, five and five, currently the wild card uh, based on tiebreakers and scenarios, but they win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and continue on down. What is up with that? Yeah, I guess the word for the day for the Jets is uh, consistently inconsistent. And I guess it really starts with uh, having a rookie at quarterback. You know, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to have his growing pains. And it seems like when you get the good Geno Smith out there, the Jets are winning. And when you get the bad Geno Smith, now there's a combination of things that leads to the bad Geno Smith. It isn't always 100% on him. But in this past game against Buffalo, you certainly saw a poor performance from him, and it ultimately led to turnovers, which leads to a blowout. So, you know, we need to see Geno Smith progress down the stretch, grow in this offense, if the team is going to have a consistent run of success and make it into the playoffs. And, you know, that starts this week 
coming up with a big game against the Baltimore Ravens. Dennis, I think sometimes we forget now that the Jets are 5-5, five and five, that we, I mean, most of us didn't really expect this team to be anywhere near that and in playoff contention, let alone in the playoffs if the season ended today. Do you think Rex Ryan has solidified his job and that his job is safe because of the fact that they're contending this late in the season? Uh, I think it's definitely uh, moved to the front burner, but Rex Ryan, unfortunately, the last two years, the team has sort of faded down this stretch. And I actually have an article up on JetNation.com about the Jets being at a crossroads right now. Look, these next six games are going to determine a lot of things. It could determine Rex Ryan's fate. It could ultimately determine whether or not the Jets have to go into next year's draft and get a quarterback to compete with Geno Smith, or is he the franchise quarterback moving forward? So... While I think that Rex Ryan has done a commendable job, so has Marty Morningwig, there has been some hiccups or lapses in the team's performances, in the losses. They've been kind of blowout losses for the most part, and I don't think it's a done deal yet with Rex Ryan. But certainly, if they end up winning nine games and make the playoffs, you have to bring this coaching staff back next year, as well as Geno Smith. So, I mean, that would ultimately be what's best for the organization. Well, you know, if, if Mornenweg sticks around, his next quarterback may not be too far away with his son now the starter at the <laughs> University of Florida after three quarterbacks, and that's a fan headache of mine I don't, I don't really want to get into because it still brings up bad memories. But when it comes to Geno Smith, you know, is it a selling point maybe for Rex Ryan to say, look, we've got this rookie quarterback. Yes, he's inconsistent. Yes, he's learning. Yes, he's making some bad mistakes. But on the whole, he's got five wins in his rookie season. He's beaten New Orleans. You know, he's, he's got a couple of good wins on the resume, and yes, there's a couple of bad losses, the Buffalo one this week being one of them. But is that kind of a selling point that, hey, look, we've got something here. Let us develop it. Give me some time, and maybe he can do what Mark Sanchez did in his first couple of years or, or better, but then come out with a better finished product two or three years down the line? Well, I think, I think right now the expectations have risen a little bit as far as this year goes. I think when the season started, a lot of us looked at, the future. And, and you didn't want to throw away a season, but you felt like you got a rookie quarterback, you have to develop him. But sitting where they are right now and looking at how muddled the AFC playoff picture is, I think it would be a disappointment if they fell short of making the playoffs. I think expectations have risen. I think the, well, let's look forward to next year, is, is not really an option for Rex Ryan to save his job. I mean, maybe if they just fall a hair short, and they say, we don't want to overturn the apple cart here and change everything around. And we think that Rex Ryan gives us the best chance moving forward, keeping the same defensive philosophy, the same offensive coordinator, instead of changing up the entire coaching staff. But I don't buy this anymore. I mean, Geno Smith has now played 10 games. It's time to take the training wheels off of him. And he has to progress down the stretch. And he's been kind of a game manager over the last four or five games. They've been running the ball a lot. And I think you're going to need to see growth in him if the Jets are going to make the playoffs. And if there isn't growth in Geno Smith, it might ultimately cost Rex Ryan his job. You mentioned earlier, too, that the game with the Ravens this week coming up is, is very huge. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, the Jets, 5-5, five and five, wild card, but the Dolphins are there. The Ravens are one of those teams. Pittsburgh is back in the hunt. Buffalo still there. There's literally eight teams vying for that one spot at this point, well behind Kansas City uh, for that second wild card. What do the Jets need to do these last six weeks to maintain that spot? Is 3-3 is three and three going to be good enough? Do they need to maybe go four and two, but one of those wins is over Baltimore? What, what do the Jets need to do to play in January? 
Well, I, I believe that nine wins would get him in. I, there's a combination of ways you could get to nine wins, which means four and two at worst. I don't think eight and eight would get them in. Looking at their schedule, now they have the Dolphins twice on their schedule, and they have the Ravens, a, a team that's sitting at four and six. Again, they won the Super Bowl last year. So are, are they a juggernaut? I know the Jets are playing in their house, and it's going to be a very difficult game with a playoff-type atmosphere. I mean, they're playing for their, their season here, and the Jets are trying to get back in the driver's seat. But here's the bottom line. Take care of business. You know what? No, this team has not made excuses all year for, with this roller coaster ride. And they have a, a very team-first oriented locker room, and they're all about you know, playing hard for Rex Ryan, playing hard for their teammates. And it has shown at times, and yes, there's been inconsistencies, but they've always seemed to bounce back. And the bottom line is here, you don't want help from somebody else. Take care of your own business. Win the games down the stretch. Progress. Get better down the stretch of the season. Remember, there's an old saying, win in December, play in January, and I think this really fits with where the Jets are right now. So, Dennis, switching gears really quickly, I know you write some for uh, G-Men uh, HQ on your uh, – and your spare time when you're not working for uh, Jet Nation. And I guess I have been, we've been talking a lot about the NFC East today in our podcast, and I think it's going to come down to kind of which team is not the worst. You know, there no really, really are no good options in that division. I really don't think any of those teams are juggernauts are going to go anywhere in the playoffs necessarily. Do you see a chance that the Giants end up winning that division? I see a slim chance. I mean, look, it starts this week with a huge game against the Dallas Cowboys. They have, this is a must-win for the Giants if they want to have a glimmer of hope heading down the stretch. Now, look, it's still tough even if they win that game. When you start off with six games on, on, the, on the wrong side of the ledger, okay, you've dug yourself a pretty big hole. And I don't know, I, I give the Giants credit, but they've caught a couple of breaks here. Scott Tolzien coming into town last week instead of Aaron Rodgers was a big break. Matt Barkley starting for the Philadelphia Eagles instead of Nick Foles was a big break for the Giants. But give them credit. They've won four in a row, and now they have a chance to put themselves back in the mix by beating Dallas. But if they lose to Dallas, it's almost going to be impossible for them to get in the playoffs and win the division. Even if they do beat Dallas, I still see too tough a road with them playing the Redskins twice. They've got to go to San Diego. They have Seattle coming in here. they also got to go to Detroit. Those are some rough games that if they went 3-2, and two, you would say they did a pretty decent job. I'm also looking at Philadelphia's schedule, schedule here, and they're, they're now you know, at 6-5. and five. And they're at home for a couple of games uh, against Arizona and Detroit. They play at Minnesota. They got Chicago coming into town. They play Dallas. You know what? I, I think that it's going to really be difficult for the Giants to catch back up. But you know what? It starts this week against Dallas, win this game, cross your fingers, and maybe things fall into place. But it is an uphill climb. Well, I know that Doug is a Giants fan, and even me as an Eagles fan, we're both hoping for a Giants win over the Cowboys this week, because that would help out both teams. Dennis Agapito from JetNation.com and GMNHQ, we thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me, fellas. Take care. Once again, that was Dennis Agapito of JetNation.com, a partner of YesNetwork.com. You can check out all of Dennis and Phil Sullivan and the JetNation.com gang's work on our homepage in the blog section, also on our NFL page. Lots of good Jets uh, news, Giants news as well with Big Blue Interactive. So check on that throughout the rest of the season for some hard-hitting analysis, commentary, and just some plain-out good writing. It'll hit you hard. It's hard-hitting. So uh, before we wrap up here, you know, now that we're both out of our work pool and things are tough, it's maybe kind of too soon to go back into that. But give me one of your, give me your one pick for the week, Doug. If you were in it, 
and you were still, you know, alive in that Survivor pool, who you got? Well, if I had to pick one game, I actually don't think it's going to happen on Sunday. I think it'll be a Monday night game, San Francisco against Washington. I don't know if you've noticed so far in this podcast, but I'm down on the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not good. They're one of those teams that people are going to beat up on for the rest of the season, I think. And I'm going with San Fran. Think about it. With the talent on their team, they should not be 6-4. and four. I think they're going to come off really, really psyched. And they're going to come out on Monday Night Football and whoop the Redskins in Washington. And I think that's pretty much as much of a for sure pick as you can get this week. Yeah, I mean, you know, San Fran, again... And we, I hadn't used San Fran yet in my Survivor League, uh, so I could have done that. I almost <laughs> thought of that this week. I, I went with the Eagles while I was away, and I'm like, if I I can't I can't uh, go down without the... Uh, who did I have left? I had Seattle left two weeks ago, and I was like, I couldn't go down without using Seattle. I almost picked Arizona, but they won anyway, so it all worked out. But um, Who you got? I don't remember in my three strikes pool if I've used Carolina yet or not. Um, I don't think so. I know I hadn't used them in in the work one, so I would have used them this week. But it, that that would be the team that you would pick if they were available. Right. If Carolina were available, I would pick them. I don't remember if I have or not. My backup option, I mean, it's really, 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 really tempting to take the Texans. But, I mean, they're, they're really? like right, really? now, right now they're just – in turmoil. I mean, Jacksonville's terrible. Blind Squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. They beat Tennessee. If the Houston Texans never won a game again in the history of their franchise, I would I wouldn't. They care. may not win a game again the rest of the year, the way things are going down there. But I, I don't know. My backup pick. I would go with New Orleans. Atlanta I, I, has, I, is just falling apart. I know I've used New Orleans both times. Based on what I have left, I honestly think my backup pick might be the Bears. I know it's kind of a crapshoot, and St. Louis is capable of surprising people, but this is one of those weeks where survivor pools are made because there's no, there's no easy pick, and the couple easy picks really there may be are teams that you definitely have already used already. I mean, most people have used the Chiefs by now, guaranteed. You know, Broncos-Patriots is one of those games where you're not going to pick two teams that you would pick against anybody else. Uh, New Orleans, like you said, has probably been used by a lot of people. Maybe Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh over Cleveland might be my other backup. I yeah, don't, I that don't would know. be a good pick. Well, um, Lou, this has been a good podcast. I've cried. I've laughed. Is that what you were doing over there when you turned your head and just kind of went away? I thought maybe you yeah. were just like taking a drink or something. I don't no, know. You were there's no okay. drinks over here. There's no crying in podcasts. So, well. You know. <laughs> Might want to get over that. I know you're happy that I'm back. Who who makes the rules? You know, I mean, yeah. I know you're happy. I know you're I happy I'm back, rule. but you know, it's it's okay. It's okay. I'm back. We'll be a little early next week because of Thanksgiving, so we'll have a little pre-holiday time. I know it's going to be an extended absence, you know, for us that holiday break. It's going to be tough on you, but it's okay. It gets okay. better. Okay. It gets better. Okay. Yes. Well, this has been a good podcast, and as much fun as we like to have with each other, it's time to stop having fun and go back and do some work. So. For this lucky 13th episode of The Yes Men, for Blake Shear, for Dennis Agapito of JetNation.com, for my co-host to my left, Doug Williams, I am Lou DiPietro. I'm back. Maybe I'm better than ever. I don't know. That's up to you to decide. But either way, Doug and I, we'll see you next time.